0: Welcome to Alberta Health Services COVID-19 podcast, an opportunity for Dr. Nicholas Etches, AHS Medical Officer of Health, to answer some of the key questions Albertans are asking about the virus. Thank you very much, Dr. Etches, for taking the time. Let um, me just start off by, you know, asking the question: What is COVID-19, and, and how is it different than other coronaviruses?
1: So, COVID-19 is a novel, a new type of coronavirus that was first seen. Um, in November or December of 2019 in China, uh, in Wuhan. Um, there are other types of coronaviruses. So when we talk about coronaviruses, we're talking about things like SARS, MERS, and coronavirus coronaviruses also cause 25% of the common colds that we see. So there's sort of a different types of coronaviruses that cause different types of um, infections. And this particular coronavirus, COVID-19, again, is new. And what we know about it is that it is um, more severe than seasonal influenza and more transmissible than SARS, um, you know, which is why we take it very seriously.
0: So you mentioned that COVID-19 is more severe than the seasonal influenza virus. But how much more?
1: Yeah, so with seasonal influenza, the mortality rate is about 0.1%. Uh, With COVID-19, it's about one to two percent, depending on the jurisdiction that you look at. So we're looking at a mortality rate of about 10 to 20 times greater than seasonal influenza, which is why, again, we're taking this uh, so seriously. Something else that's important to to understand, though, at the same time, is that most people that get COVID-19 will have mild symptoms that do not require medical attention and will recover at home. Um, It's When you look at who gets extremely ill from COVID-19, it's typically people that are older um, and it's people that have comorbid medical conditions. And what I mean by that is they have other um, issues with their health like diabetes, hypertension, um, uh, cancer. Those people uh, are also um, more vulnerable to the disease and so we really want to protect those vulnerable populations from COVID-19.
0: How do people typically contract COVID-19?
1: So COVID-19 is, is um, not an airborne virus. So when we talk about airborne viruses, we're talking about things like measles. Measles is incredibly contagious. If you haven't been immunized against measles and you haven't had it before, if you're in the same room as someone that has measles, you are at risk of contracting it from that person. That is not the case with COVID-19. COVID-19 is transmitted by droplets. And so what that means is it's, it's um, particles, uh, liquid particles that someone will Um, potentially emit if they're coughing or sneezing and it's really in the meter or two immediately around that person. Um, And so you know those that's why when we talk about in hospital we talk about droplet precautions. Um, You know that's why we're really talking about the meter or two around that individual and that's when if you have someone that's sick in hospital that's why healthcare providers will be wearing surgical masks. I think this is also a good time to explain using this concept Um, why we recommend different types of masks for different types of diseases. So with uh, uh, airborne disease like measles, it's actually very, very small, small particles that can float in the air um, that are a risk. And those uh, require an N95 mask because that mask um, is uh, essentially has smaller filters than a surgical mask. Um, So that's required for things like measles that is not required for something like COVID-19. Because the droplets are bigger, they only fall within one or two meters, a surgical mask um, is uh, the appropriate type of PPE for this infection unless, except in very specific circumstances with specific procedures that I won't get into right now, but our healthcare providers are well aware of when those procedures are occurring and when they need to use which kind of mask.
0: On the topic of masks, is there any benefit for the general public to wear masks?
1: No, so I think that that's really important to to clarify. Um, this is not something that you get from walking down the street and walking by someone who has the virus. Um, that's not how this is, uh, is transmitted. If you look at the way this is transmitted in China, which is where we know the most about um, how um, this has happened, um, it's, you know, it's mostly within families that this virus is, is transmitted. Um, what we really need to do is preserve the PPE that we have for healthcare providers who are actually potentially at risk in close contact with known active cases. Um, You know, you don't have to be worried about going to the mall or walking down the street and walking by someone and catching it that way. That's not how this um, particular infection works.
0: How do you know if you might have COVID-19? What are the symptoms?
1: So, you know, uh, it can range. You know, I think the first thing to say is that some people are only very mildly ill Um, you know occasionally someone may actually have no symptoms but that's not common Uh, and then some people some people might be you know um, in the hospital with severe breathing difficulties Um, so there's a range. Generally speaking um, you know the most common symptom uh, in about 80 to 90 percent of COVID cases is fever. The next most common symptom is a dry cough in about 60 to 70 percent of cases. Um, After that you're really looking at things like shortness of breath um, and then a small number of cases, sore throat, uh, diarrhea. Um, so there can be quite a spectrum and, and you know we do see different um, presentations of COVID-19. Um, but those are the main symptoms uh, that, that folks should be um, thinking about if they're wondering if they're potentially infected.
0: Now, obviously some of these symptoms uh, are similar to seasonal flu. So if you feel that you have some of these symptoms, um, How do you know it's not the seasonal influenza uh, versus COVID-19 and what do you do if you want to know?
1: Those symptoms are in in medicine what we call non-specific. They can apply to a lot of different types of you know diseases, infections. Um, In general if you want to know, if you feel like if you're unwell and you want to know whether or not you need to be assessed for COVID-19, the recommendation is to call 811. They are specifically set up. There's a COVID line that you can call um, and, you know, they will, they have uh, tools that they can use to assess your risk and, and determine whether or not um, you need testing. If you do not have any symptoms, um, you will not be, you know, you should not call 811 for, for testing. Uh, we're not testing anyone that's, um, that's asymptomatic. Right now, it's also important to understand, right now, that the risk to Albertans um, is low. And, you know, all of the cases that we've seen in Alberta have been travel related. Um, So again, there's a lot of things when we do that assessment of risk, there's a a few things that we take into account Um, and so that's why if you're at all concerned and you have symptoms, call 811 and they can uh, make sure that um, the appropriate risk assessment is done and they can make sure that if you need testing, you get it done quickly.
0: So if you do believe you need testing, 811 is your source. Is there any other way?
1: If you're really sick, you know, you're having severe breathing difficulties, you know, we want people to call 911 in those instances and go to the emergency department. Um, If you're just, you know, mildly unwell, but it's not something that you would see a doctor for, don't go see a doctor specifically to find out if you have COVID. Call 811. That's really the system that we're, um, you know, we're trying to ensure that people use. And you know, we want to preserve the capacity of our physicians and our emergency departments for people that are really sick. And there's also in emergency departments and, um, and family doctor's offices, there are people that are vulnerable um, to this illness. There are folks that are uh, older, folks with other medical conditions, and we want to keep them away from other people that are sick. So for all of those reasons, you know, if, if you're just mildly ill and you want you know, to know whether or not you should be tested for COVID, call 811. That's also probably the most efficient way for you as an individual to get tested.
0: In terms of an actual vaccine, does one exist? Is there one pending? What is the status of that?
1: Right now, there is no known vaccine or treatment for uh, COVID-19. We are hopeful that there will be one as soon as possible. And there are definitely a lot in development and being studied right now. Um, What this means, though, is that the work that we do to protect ourselves also protects other people. And so, you know, If you're ill, you should not be going to work. If your children are ill, they should not be going to school. Uh, If you're unwell, you should not go visit your parent or your grandparent at a long-term care facility or a continuing care facility. Um, We really, you know, it's about protecting each other.
0: If someone has gotten their seasonal influenza vaccine, does that have any benefit in reducing your risk of getting COVID-19?
1: The seasonal influenza vaccine does not specifically protect against covid having said that you certainly would not want to get both infections at the same time Um, that would be you know something that we would really want to avoid and so you know for that reason you know we strongly encourage if you have not got your uh, flu vaccine you know please please do that please do that every year um, to protect yourself and to protect the people around you
0: for most people who get covid19 What can they do to try to get well?
1: So, in general, again, most people that get COVID-19 are going to recover at home, um, you know, with only mild to moderate symptoms. And, you know, the most important thing, you know, for yourself is to rest, um, drink lots of fluids, um, and, you know, and beyond that, beyond your own health to protect the people that you may live with. So, Sleep in a separate room if that's available to you. Um, keep a distance of about two meters between you and any family members if you can. Um, frequently wash your hands. Don't share dishes, don't share utensils. Um, you know Those kind of things are gonna help protect um, the people around you.
0: And for mild cases of COVID-19, roughly how long does it take for someone to get healthy again?
1: Uh, it takes about, from what we know so far, and again, this is a new Infection we're still learning a lot about it, but it's what we know so far for a mild infection probably a couple of weeks uh, And then a bit longer for someone who maybe has a more uh, severe presentation of the illness Um, So that's what we know so far in if someone has been diagnosed With COVID once their symptoms subside um, They still have to remain under isolation until they have two negative tests 24 hours apart so that's the other thing that's important that, that folks understand is that if you have, um, if you have a positive COVID test uh, and you, you get sick and then you feel better, you can't just leave your house when you feel better. You have to have those two negative tests before the isolation will be lifted.
0: You were talking a little bit about the idea of self-isolation if someone is recovering from COVID-19. Can you explain exactly what self-isolation is?
1: Self-isolation um, is, um, you know, essentially it is a quarantine for that individual, and what that means is that, um, you know, we don't want them going to public places where they may um, expose others to the risk of infection, and so you know that means we're typically asking people to um, stay at home, um, to. Uh, again especially if they have symptoms to be making sure that they're keeping a distance from their family members to make sure that they're washing their hands often to make sure that they're um, cleaning high-touch surfaces often things like um, uh, taps and counters and door handles Um, again not sleeping next to somebody else Um, those are the kind of things when we're talking about someone isolating themselves we're really trying to Um, prevent them from passing the infection to anyone else, so avoiding any close contact within two meters um, with someone else who may be susceptible.
0: What does that look like in a family dynamic? Does that mean you have to move out or your family has to move out? How does that work?
1: So there's a lot of different um, situations in terms of the the family uh, the way that someone's someone's family is organized. It depends on the number of people in the family. Uh, it depends on the amount of space that's available, the number of rooms that are available for that family. It depends on who's in the household. Is there someone in the house that has an immunocompromising you know, condition? Um, is there someone elderly in the home? Um, are there cousins or relatives or other places where um, you or your relatives can stay? So it's difficult to say that, you know, there's not one uh, you know, prescription around that for how families should manage themselves, but it's the, the advice that public health gives is all based around the principle of minimizing the risk of exposure for anyone else in the household.
0: So given the length of time that this isolation is required, especially in a actual positive COVID-19 case, what can a family do if one of their loved ones has been uh, positively diagnosed to help their loved one through that isolation process.
1: So I think, um, you know, helping them to get their basic needs met, you know, go out and pick up groceries for example, make food, Um, you know, leave that outside their room or or get delivered to them in such a way that you're not too close to them. Um, You know, provide support. It's probably, you know, it can be um, probably a frightening experience for someone who um, has been diagnosed with this and just, you know, listening, you know, from Uh, a distance, even phone calls from room to room would be a nice idea. Um, You know those kind of things I think are are the most important when if you've got a family member that's uh, unwell with COVID.
0: So whether you have a family member with COVID or you're trying to protect yourself from getting COVID-19, what can people do to help reduce the risk?
1: So you know I think you know the most important thing that People can do is, is really um, abide by the recommendations from Dr. Hinshaw, abide by the recommendations from public health. So, again, some of those things are um, as per Dr. Hinshaw. Um, you know, she's not recommending travel outside of Canada at this time. Um, you know, if uh, you are returning um, you know, today uh, or later from uh, travel outside of Canada, isolate yourself for 14 days. Um, you know, we're really looking to the community to um, ensure that the the mass gatherings advice is, is followed and that there aren't many mass gatherings with over 250 people. Um, and you know, what you can really do, number one is, as an individual, uh, wash your hands. Um, you know, when you wash your hands, wash your hands all the way up to your wrists, um, wash between your fingers. Uh, sing happy birthday to yourself, even if it's not your birthday while you're washing your hands. Um, and you know, f- use hand sanitizer when it's available. And don't touch your face. And this is a very difficult thing. I've been actually you know, struggling with this myself for the past uh, couple of weeks. You know, the average person touches their face 20 to 30 times an hour. And it's very, you you know, try it. It's very surprising how difficult it is, but it's also very important because that can be, you know, a significant risk of infection from doing that if if you've come into contact with it. So those are some of the things you can do. Now, one of the things I think that's really important to stress is if you're sick, don't go to work, don't go to school, don't visit your parent or grandparent or elderly relative in a long-term care home um, or continuing care facility. Um, you know, don't do any of those things. That's we really have to work together again, you know, we have to be each other's vaccination as Dr. Hinshaw said and also I'd like to mention, yeah, just if you know anyone that's, you know, that's been isolated because either they're a case or they're a contact of a case or they've returned from travel, you know, do what you can to support that person. You know, give them a call, um, you know, help them by delivering food to their house because that'll be very difficult for them to figure out how to do that on their own, Um, those kind of things.
0: Any tips on? How to talk to children about COVID-19?
1: You know, obviously that um, will vary a bit by age, um, but in general, some principles around that is number one, just acknowledging again that where it's normal to worry; it's okay to be worried. Um, the second thing would really um, be just giving really clear, honest information, factual information that's accurate to um, to your children. Would is something else that's, uh, you know. Recommended in terms of how you have those conversations. And then, you know, whatever you can do to to keep a sense of normality as well. You know, their sports leagues may be cancelled, but maybe there's typical family activity like going to the playground or going for a walk or whatever it is that you do on a Sunday or a Saturday, try to keep up any of those routines, regular meal times, you know, things that the structures and routines that they're used to will help keep a sense of stability uh, in their lives.
0: Sort of from a bigger perspective what is Alberta and Canada doing to prevent the rapid spread of the virus like what's happening in other countries such as Italy and Iran?
1: It has been shown if you look at um, countries like China, uh, like uh, South Korea, like Singapore, um, they've actually done an incredible job of uh, showing that it is possible to control the spread of COVID-19. Uh, in fact yesterday. There were only eight new infections in China, which is, you know, when you think about the number of people there and the, the the extent to which they had an outbreak before, is remarkable. And so we know that it's possible, and we know that it's possible using measures uh, like those that Alberta have has adopted. And um, it's very good that, uh, from a public health perspective, it is very good that we have taken um, measures around reducing imported cases social distancing and aggressive public health um, detection and follow-up in order to mitigate the spread these are the same strategies that have been used in those jurisdictions um, and so you know really and part of that though requires us to um, sort of uh, have an all society approach to this and we really do need uh, the support of um, Albertans in helping us to have an effective response to this and I've touched on many of those things, just really around following the advice of public health, um, You know, uh, when, you're, when you've been asked to self-isolate to do so, don't go to work if you're sick. Um, those kinds of things will really make a difference in terms of um, you know, how this looks in a month or two months from now.
0: Should people start cancelling their travel plans outside of Canada?
1: The recommendation from Dr. Hinshaw is that uh, people should not travel outside of Canada. Um, and that's important. It's really important that people uh, follow that advice. Um, you know, the situation uh, with COVID-19 is changing extremely rapidly. And so, you know, a country that um, has only several cases or a handful of cases today, by the end of your trip, there may be thousands. And, you know, that's really important to understand. We, we, all of the cases that we have seen in Alberta have been travel-related. And so travel is a huge risk factor contracting COVID-19, we don't want to import any more of those cases into Alberta.
0: What if you're already on your vacation and you've heard the news about the travel warning, what should you do when you return to Canada?
1: So, when you return, it's really important that um, you follow the recommendation to isolate yourself for 14 days. Um, And just to recognize that, you know, that's not an easy thing to do, but that's really what is required of all of us to follow these recommendations uh, to make sure that um, we minimize the spread here in Alberta. Um, What that means practically speaking is um, you know if you can have someone um, stock up your house with some food and drink um, so that uh, you're well prepared to self-isolate at home uh, I think that's something that uh, would be really helpful and then arrange to figure out how are you going to be able to have food delivered to you um, throughout the course of the 14 days. Um, and that's really the main thing is just to really abide by those recommendations. Contact your, uh, your work uh, or your child's school to make sure that they're aware that you know, you're not going to be uh, able to be physically present at work or school for 14 days. Another important thing while you're self-isolating is just to monitor yourself uh, t- if, to see if you develop any symptoms. And again, the symptoms you want to be looking out for the most are uh, things related to uh, fever, cough, shortness of breath, muscle aches, Um, you know if you start to develop any of those kinds of symptoms um, call HealthLink and uh, you know if you need assessment they will arrange for you to be tested for COVID-19.
0: So the big question is how long will it be until life returns to quote unquote normal?
1: You know that's a good question and this is a new situation. and, you know, I don't want to speculate. I don't know how long that this will um, go on for. Um, but the idea behind really taking these early measures is to stop spread as early as possible. The types of measures, public health measures, that we have taken are much more effective if done early, uh, which they have been here in Alberta. And so I'm very encouraged by um, the way our uh, the way we're managing our response. And again, we just really need um, the uh, support of the public to make sure that um, you know, we're able to do this, you know, as a whole society because that's what this really takes. That's what we've seen from uh, South Korea, from China. This is a whole society approach um, that's necessary. And so, I, you know, one of my messages to the public would really be keep an eye on the AHS website. Keep an eye on the Alberta Health website. Um, you know, if you want to learn more, go to the Public Health Agency of Canada website. Go to the World Health Organization website. Um, all of these sites have great information on COVID-19 and just keep yourself up to date because a lot of these recommendations um, may change over time as the situation evolves.
0: You've been listening to Alberta Health Services COVID-19 podcast. For the most up-to-date information, please visit alberta.ca forward slash COVID-19. Thanks for listening.